Are you looking for inspiration on a daily basis? Well, check out Give to Heal Teas. With our inspirational teas, you're sure to find something that will inspire you. Just go to dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. That's Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear inspirational tea and be inspired all day. That's Deal to Heal Teas at dealtoheelteas.myshopify.com. Hey guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, and I know you enjoy the Girl Dad Discussion Podcast, I'm your host, Ernest James, and I believe the relationship between a daughter and her father is one of the most important relationships a young lady can have. And therefore, my mission is to promote the daddy-daughter relationship by sharing the voices of girl dads to the world. So check out our podcast on every platform where podcasts can be listened to. And if you want to watch the podcast, check us out on our YouTube channel. Again, that's the Girl Dad Discussions Podcast with your host, Ernest James. Hey guys, this is Ernest James, host of the Deal to Heal with E. James Podcast. And I got a question to ask you. Could you buy me a cheeseburger? Better yet, could you buy me a value meal? Yes? Well, guess what? I don't need a value meal. However, for the cost of a value meal, you can support this podcast to keep us on the air. Just go to Patreon slash Deal to Heal podcast and choose any one of the three tiers that's available. And if you just want to make a one-time donation, go to Cash App and make a donation to dollar sign E. James, the number 418. Make a one-time donation to the Cash App or again, go to Patreon to support this podcast and keep us on the air. Thanks in advance. Be blessed. Welcome to Deal to Heal with E. James Podcast. On this podcast, my guest and I will discuss topics and ways to help us to heal in every area of our lives. I believe that everyone can live a life that is happy, healthy, and whole. So I'm on a mission to help people to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for tuning in. Let's get to it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. I'm your host, Ernest James, and I believe that everyone can and should live a life that is whole, healed, and healthy. And therefore, I'm on a mission to help people to deal, to heal, and to fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. Thank you guys once again for tuning in to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. If you haven't already, make sure that you listen, like, subscribe, and share. Do me a favor. Don't keep it to yourself, but share it with someone else. Let them know that we are out here and we are sharing the, uh, a great message, man, to, to help people with healing and, and, you know, just helping people find that inner peace that they need, right? So make sure you guys are checking us out and sharing, uh, um, sharing our platforms. Make sure you guys check us out on our YouTube page. Definitely want to get that up. And also, uh, as you heard at the beginning of the podcast, 
our sister, or should I say our partner podcast, the Girl Dad Discussions podcast, is now up and running and on the air. And that uh, podcast, we myself talk to fathers and also daughters about the dad and daughter relationship. And I think that's a great thing. Of course, you guys know that uh, I only have one biological child, which is my daughter, and uh, she's not a baby no more, but <laughs> she's still my baby. So make sure you guys are checking that out. And also, I'm going to tell you guys how you can win $100 from the podcast, but you got to stay until the end of the episode in order to get that information. But you can win $100 from the podcast. So today, just like any other day, we are blessed with the guest, Miss Hogan. How are you doing? Hi. Good. Hi, everyone. How are you? I'm not sure if it's good evening, but good evening. It's Miss Hogan. <laughs> whatever, whatever time you're listening, that's what time it is. <laughs> so first of all, let me say thank you uh, for being on because you could have been doing anything else, but you're here with me and I definitely appreciate it. And I'm sure that uh, my listeners do as well. Um, so do me a favor. We're going to jump right in it. Do me a favor and tell my listeners who you are and what it is that you do. Okay. So my name is Saya B. Hagen. I am a survivor, uh, author, mental health counselor, and wellness advocate. So what does all of that mean? I'm a survivor of childhood sexual abuse. I'm an author of two books, uh, The Journey Continues, and my latest book, The Silent Cries of a Black Girl. Um, I do advocacy work and as far as facilitation and workshops for survivors, and I am an advocate and as well as a, um, a counselor. So that's who I am. All right. All right. So um, you were you were referred to me. Um, mm -hmm. Your guest on, and I I always go and look at you know the people's things that they have, uh, look at their Instagram pages and things like that, you know, prior to, and I definitely looked at some of the things that you had going on and even talking about this book and this whole, uh, the whole experience. Mm -hmm. And I definitely wanted to have you on, um, because I think that it's a topic that we're not, uh, often talked about. Yes. And I was thinking about it and I was like, I don't think I've had anyone on that has mm -hmm. talked about it. You know, um, I've had domestic violence, uh, survivors on and yes. we've had that conversation um we've had a lot of different conversations but i don't think we've had this conversation yeah um so i want to i want to talk about it take me back a little bit um to when it first started for you actually take, let's go back before that that's mm -hmm. because i know that uh sexual abuse changes you as yes, a person right yes. so Let's take me back to before. Like, who was that child? Who was that person? Actually, what age were you? I'm not even 100% sure. <laughs> but who were you before and, you know, uh, that kind of, before this transition? Let me let me put it that way. So I, I'll let you go answer that and then we'll go forward. <laughs> sure, no problem. So I was actually sexually abused at the age of 12 and 14 years of age. So... Um, as we know, at that time, we're still growing and developing. We're still um, understanding who we are and coming into like our own. So I was a little similar to what I am today. Um, I'm pretty quiet and um, 
don't really like the limelight a lot. So that kind of changed for me as I got older and I started doing this work. Um, but I was really a quiet, um, a quiet girl. I'm the only girl. Um, I have an older brother. We're two years apart. But I was raised in a typical home, two-parent home. My parents were um, uh, came to New York from the South. They migrated from the South. And um, like most Southern parents, uh, they were, they had rules and we had responsibilities and chores that we had to do. Um, and uh, my faith in God and church was a big, uh, played a big part in my foundation um, of, as I grew and developed into a, a young teen. So, um, but I was very quiet. Like I was, you would not even know that I'm in a room because I really didn't speak a lot. Um, I had very few friends, um, but I would probably describe myself as a quiet girl. So that's who I was. Yeah. Okay. And, and so um, that was prior to, and then this, you know, uh, a bruise started to happen. What what age were you again? I don't remember. It started at the, uh, at the age of 12. And but I have two, I had uh, two different abusers, but the first was at the age of twelve, and both of them, um, one was a cousin and one was like a cousin because our families were really close. Right, so, and, and that was that was going to be my next question because, you know, oftentimes when I've heard, um, and mm -hmm. I haven't had this, I haven't had this particular conversation a lot, so I'm you know kind of winging it. Um, mm -hmm. No problem. But, um, I've heard that there's a high percentage of when this happens that is usually someone that you know. Yes. You know, or, or... Yeah. Most most people who are sexy abused are abused by someone that they know. It's not a stranger. So that is that's definitely correct. And because that person has easy access, if you think about it, yeah. right? So a cousin would have, this is somebody that you see family events and that person has easy access. Yeah. And then also that person knows you. And like you said, you identified as a, as a quiet girl. So mm -hmm. that, you know, probably play, played somewhat into them, you know, even deciding in their mind to even go there, you know, mm -hmm. that, okay, maybe she won't even say nothing because she don't that often anyway um yes. but you did say something right I did, um, I did say something um it it was my second abuser my first abuser I, I never spoke about until I was a young adult um but my second abuser because he he came from the south as well I believe and he came to stay with us because he wanted to make a life uh, mm -hmm. here in New York and so that's really when um like my my journey began in regards to um, using my voice to to tell someone to tell in this case my parents what had happened to me and it wasn't it wasn't me uh, verbalizing it because I could not find the words um, to tell my parents what happened so I came home one day from school because he was continuously threatening me um, so. And all I can imagine myself is being, you know, 14 and pregnant, right? So I was really fearful of that. And that that was enough to 
prompt me to leave a note under my mother's makeup compact because um, I knew that she would find it there because I was trying to figure out the whole time, the whole day, how, how I was going to tell her. But I knew, um, and I had said this when I was talking about this before, like I knew today was the day. Today was the day that I was going to say something. And I was reminding myself that all throughout the day as I was in school and I was coming home, it was today is going to be the day. Today is going to be the day that I'm going to say something. I'm going to share this with my parents. So I could not come up with the words, um, but I was able to write it and put a note under my mother's makeup compact and she found it. Um, and once she found it, she then told, spoke to my dad. And my dad was, he was, he was the protector. He was my protector. Um, he always told me that if, you know, if, if there was something that happened, that he would protect me. I knew my dad to be the protector one, and I knew my brother to be the second protector. Right, right. So I can, I can imagine uh, just as a as a father. Um, I, I actually had someone, I was having a conversation with someone and they told me, you know, about that they were molested, you mm -hmm. know, and they said, I know the, the person, but mm -hmm. they wouldn't tell me who, who the person was. And I said, I'm glad that you won't tell me because I don't know what my reaction would be to mm -hmm. that person, you mm -hmm. know, and my my although as a father you know mm -hmm. I definitely can can resonate with with your dad that you want to be the protector um mm -hmm. and you want to do something but yes. you kind of have to wear it out like because what you might do might take you away where you can't you can't protect no more you know what i'm saying yes. but like, you have, to, have to like you know what i know what i want to do you know what i'm saying but if well, I do what I want to do, yeah, that's not gonna help my daughter. My dad was that he was that he was that man, you know. And so that's what he did. And when he when my mother did tell him, he just kind of he lost it, you know. Um, at that point in time, my cousin was not home. He was not, you know, he wasn't in the house at the time, but he waited for him. He waited for him and it was a big altercation. Um, the police had to be called. So it was it was a normal, a normal father's mm -hmm. response, right? Um, yeah. in regards to something has happened to their child. Um, and you know, although I don't remember every little detail, but I remember pretty much all of it, you know, and it's something that you don't forget. Um, so my father did react as most yeah. fathers would. And then yeah. I, I want to just even even with, you know, your, both your parents, right? Because sometimes, especially in, in when it's in the family, when it's someone in the family, and then when they find out, you know, sometimes the parents, sometimes it's the parents or whoever, they don't want to believe that, you know, this loved one, this person, this, mm -hmm. you know, person that we've in, invited into our home would mm -hmm. then be, betray our trust, That's you know? And so a, a lot of people don't believe it initially, yeah. you know? Um, so 
I'm glad even that your your mom not only believed it, but then even you know had the conversation with your dad, so that you know took action right away, because it's unfortunate a lot of times it does happen where you know the person that you tell don't believe you, and yeah. so sometimes it continues until finally someone else does, you know, or until they till they come around. So I'm glad, you know, even with that, that your parents had to the wherewithal to be like, you know what, let's, let's take action, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things that I talk about in the book, um, not only the silent cries of a black girl, uh, but I believe in a little bit in the journey. Um, so I talk about one of the biggest things that survivors want is they want to be believed, right? Which is a lot of reasons why survivors, they stay quiet, because there's a fear of sharing and not wanting and not being believed by others. So if they are in danger or they feel like they're not going to be believed, or if they attempted to even share it before and they were not believed, it's less likely that they're going to attempt that again. And so that is so crucial when it comes to survivors and, and supporting survivors that we have to make sure that we are listening and that we believe them. Um, and so I just wanted to like really stress that because that is really crucial and it could really determine whether that person is going to start their healing journey or it's going to make them withdraw and not yeah. say anything again. So right. yeah, I was fortunate enough that my parents did. Yeah. And and I want to I want to talk to that real quick. So first of all, I want to congratulate you for having the courage, you know, to speak up, you know, um because one of the I wrote a book called The Four Core, right? So I'm a I'm a fatherless daughter advocate, right? So I I do work on on behalf of fatherless daughters. And so I wrote a book called The Four Core, which is the four core values that every daughter should get from her father. Right. And so okay. we go through different values. But one of them that I talk about is protection. And so automatically usually when we say protection, we think about the physical protection. You know, and yeah. I always say we think about the the um the the movie Bad Boys with the scene with Martin Lawrence and you know, when the yeah. boys come, you know, so we all got that. But yeah. when I'm talking about it, what I say is not necessarily definitely the physical protection. Mm -hmm. But the other kind of protection is the safety. And most of it is the safety to, to voice how you feel and to yeah. be able to voice what's going on uh, with you. And as a father, that's one of our things to definitely uh, instill in our daughters the strength of their voice to be able mm -hmm. to say, hey, this is how I feel. This is how I think. This is what I believe is going on. This is what's going on with me. And mm -hmm. so I congratulate you for having the courage to speak up but even with that, mm -hmm. to be able to have the relationship with your parents where you can say something, yes. you know, and you can voice your your how you feel and be heard. You yeah. know, even if it's through a letter, it's still your words, <clears throat> excuse me, it's still your words being related and definitely have to be some kind of uh, relationship already built there, some kind of foundation already built there. Absolutely. That yeah. you felt like, okay, I can say something. Yeah. You know? so, um, so definitely that is another thing that I talk about in the book, The Silent Cries, is that even if 
because it's, although it's considered a book, it's really a resource guide. It is my story of my actual story of my survival and how I shared my, um, my abuse with my parents. But then also the second part of it is in key indicators for girls who may have experienced sexual abuse. It's also about empowering girls and educating girls so they can recognize the signs. So maybe it may not be them, but it could be one of their friends. And a part of that, as far as talking to your child or trying to find out if there's something that's happened is the foundation is building a rapport with them, like having a, a relationship. Because if you don't have that rapport with your child, they're not going to be able to come to you and say, hey, this happened. So it starts from when that child comes into the earth, right? And then, you know, you're raising that child from like crawling to walking, building that rapport. So when things do happen that are really serious, that they know that this is my safe place, this is a safe haven for me, and I can speak what is going on with me. So I think that's so important in regards to having that rapport um, with your child. Yeah, and, and I think that, I just want to say this, that even if it's at a point where you may not have already built that relationship, you can kind of begin to groom it, right? So I always think about my daughter. Uh, she's away at college, right? So mm -hmm. I don't hear from her all the time. She calls every now and then. But I can tell when she's calling, when, she's, when she wants something, right? And she will call earlier in the week. Let's say she called me on Monday. And she said, I, I just called to see how you're doing. I already know about Wednesday or Thursday, I'm going to get another phone call. You know? <laughs> so about Wednesday or Thursday, I'm like, hey, Dad, I need something. Right? Yeah. So we can do that same thing with our children if we haven't already begun to build uh, that rapport is, okay, let's have the general conversations just to kind of start um, building a foundation for the harder conversations. Right. Yes. Let's not try to rush right in and be like, hey, what's going on? Especially if you haven't already built that foundation. But let's say hey, let's how was school today? You know, yeah. what, what's going on? Let's start having those general conversations and building that foundation so that later on we can have the heart, the harder um, uh, conversations. Um, well, it does start with the general conversations because the general conversations opens the door to the the serious conversations because, you know, now that the foundation is being built. Yeah. 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 So I want to, I want to go back a little bit, right. Cause I know I, I had mentioned uh, earlier and you definitely agreed that, you know, having this uh, account definitely changed your life. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it definitely impacted you is a probably a better word. Right. So, you said 14 was the, the second time. So mm -hmm. just take me back a little bit, just in that, at your, at that age and mm -hmm. at that time, how was the, the impact then, mm -hmm. you know, and now that you've came out and definitely doing this work that you do, how is the impact now? Because there's definitely a transition be, to go from a victim to a survivor, should I say, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. and to go from someone that something happened to, but now you're an advocate on behalf yeah. of those that, that yeah. you know, have been through it. And so tell me a little bit about the, the initial impact that it had on that young girl. Mm -hmm. And then now as a woman that you are now, the impact mm -hmm. 
that is is still having on you, but then now how you're trying to how you were taking that impact and using it to to impact others. Yeah. So um, I would definitely say as a young girl, even after that, the whole situation happened with um, my cousin coming home. And like I said, there was a big altercation in, in the police um, had to come and get involved. There's so, there's so many parts that like after that incident that I don't even know about. It's like um, it was my parents never spoke, spoke about again. I do remember seeing after that, my cousin one other time, and he came to the house. He was escorted in by my brother to collect his things. And that was it. It was almost like that was done. It was never talked about again until I brought it up as I got older. So it was just a, a long period of time that um, nothing was really spoken about. And I think it was because, like, you know, my parents didn't like a lot of parents didn't know what to think. I don't think they understood the magnitude of the abuse. And I was kind of talked about as I got older, but it wasn't brought up again until I brought it up. So um, I sought help as I was growing and developing. And I realized that this was an impact on my life. Um, so basically I had went to school, graduated, um, was in the working world. And then I realized through a conversation with people who were aware of what happened, because I did share with certain people. And I actually thought that because I was able to share with certain people that I was okay. And that's, a, that's also a misconception, right? Just because I'm sharing it saying, hey, this happened to me, that I'm okay. And that was not the case. So, um, after having a conversation with a friend, I had actually went to um, service the next the next day or, or that Sunday in um, the sermon that was preached at that Sunday was spoke directly to me. And all I remember is being laid out in the altar and and someone praying over me. And then I realized how I needed therapy. Right. So therapy was a part of my journey of healing. But also writing was a part of my journey. So that's how the journey continues came about because a part of my healing was writing and that writing was turned into poetry, which was published years later and the journey continues. So it was never my goal to, to have something published that those writings were part of my healing and it was a conversation between God and, and myself, right? So I had to say that there was a long period of time before I even realized that there was an impact. But there was a misconception because I, I figured since I was sharing it, like there's people who were close to me that they knew that I was okay, right? And that was not the case. And so I had to start therapy. Um, I had a strong mistrust for men at the time, right? And that was one of my uh, red flags that there was an issue there that needed to be addressed. So um, it wasn't something like, oh, this happened and I was in therapy right away. It, it wasn't that. It took some time for that to happen. Okay, okay. So you you mentioned two things. Um <laughs> 
you mentioned two things, and sometimes it's like an oxy oxymoron. I, I think that that's what they call it. Because you mentioned going to church and going to therapy, right? And yep. so oftentimes there are there is a big misconception about, uh, especially being raised in the church. So I don't know how long you've been following me, but I'm a uh, pastor, minister, PK, that whole thing, right? <laughs> so I've been in church my whole life, you know? Yep. And so um, that being said, I understand how a lot of times we, we're raised to pray everything away, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't believe that. Um, I believe that in the beginning, God told us to have dominion over the earth. Mm-hmm. And when he told us to have dominion and also to walk as he walked, he created the earth. And so he gave us the mindset to, to be able to create and to learn and to develop. And I think that a lot of times now, there are things that we are praying for that he already answered with the wisdom that he had given us to do, mm-hmm. right? So we're praying for financial breakthroughs when yeah. there was a financial literacy class down the street. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I think that we pray for a lot of stuff um, that he's already allowed us to have the, the answers to. And then not only that, um, I think there's a misconception. I ain't gonna say thing. I know there's a misconception, definitely growing up in church, that it has to be either or, yes. right? And yeah. not both. When the reality, it is both because we are natural and we are spiritual. We have a natural man and we have a spiritual man and our natural man needs natural stuff. Yes. You know what I mean? Our spiritual man needs spiritual stuff. So definitely we do need to pray. You do need to stay in, in communication with the father, but our natural man sometimes needs to hear some natural regular, you know, things that yes. our, our natural man needs to hear. So I am definitely a big advocate um, for therapy um, and, and the advocate for the church also. Um, but we don't have a problem with going to church. <laughs> Most of us in church, but in our community, we do still have a problem with going to see a therapist. You know, going to talk to somebody, uh, or or even support groups. You know, uh, one of my things, my I haven't been to therapy, and I'm definitely thinking about going. Um, but I haven't been to therapy, but I have been in um, bereavement support, right, okay. with, the, with the passing of of my, of my mom. Okay, I know how that helped me, right? Mm-hmm. And so I'm definitely an advocate of, if you don't go to therapy, at least go to a support group or a community of like-minded people for that support and the strength, you know, to, to move forward. And even I know that, um, I think it was so, more recently, I think that um, when, you, when you launched your book, that mm-hmm. you went to a, a, I think it was a community or something like that, um, for survivors, am I mistaken with that? I'm sorry, say that again. When you released your uh, your book, one of the things that you were a part of, um, I don't know if it was at the launch or you know, as an organization that was kind of a community of, of survivors or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Well, that was the part of the work that I do in regards to a support group. So um, that was prior to the, the book launch. So I have a, a network of, of women and that are both either DV or sexual abuse survivors. And um, for those who follow me, they will see that I, you know, I advertise their survivor series 
that session that comes, like I would probably say I did it earlier about a couple of months ago. And so I try to have it every now and then for those who need support. And it's a series of um, workshops and it's confidential. Um, once the group is established, it's established and then it, it has to be closed because we have to protect the people who are participating. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a part of the work that I do. But just to speak to the whole therapy in church, that see, I feel like that you were already in my book, although you weren't, because I do talk about that in the silent cries, right? How um, there is a, a myth in the Black community that we can't go to therapy and have a relationship with God. Um, and that's just simply not true. Um, we can stand, hold, and walk in our, our values as Christians, um, but it is necessary for us to, to seek therapy sometimes. And then there's no shame in that, particularly as we are coming out of the pandemic and we're in a mental health crisis. Who are we in a mental health crisis? It is just yeah. so much going on. So um, that is something that has really hurt the Black community in regards to not seeking the support. And I know we have this um, this myth and this, um, I wouldn't say myth, but we have uh, that we are strong and we are resilient. And that is absolutely true. We are. But we also need to know when we need to seek support and we don't need to keep family secrets. So that's one of the things that I talk about in my previous book, The Journey Continues. Family secrets are killing mm -hmm. some of our families, right? Mm -hmm. The stuff that people are holding on for years and years and years. And in some cases, some of our loved ones that have gone on and died and still and still died, that secret died with them. That's killing us. That's killing our families. Um, and so we need to know that, yeah, it's okay for me to share. I may not be able to share with, you know, my friends and family members, but that's what therapy is for. I need to start processing and unpacking some of this trauma that I have experienced. And we know that sexual abuse, domestic violence, uh, the, the loss of a loved one, that is all, all falls under the umbrella of trauma and trauma needs to be processed. Yeah. And, and definitely with those, um, the family secrets that definitely has hindered us a lot. And and one of the other things why we're talking about the whole thing with therapy, we definitely have to address um, the myth that we have that therapy is for crazy people. Yeah. Right? Because someone came to me and was, you know, having a conversation and, you know, I was encouraging them, you know, with their, what they were going through. I said, I think you need to go, you know, I think you need to go to therapy. And they were saying that they had told another loved one, you know, they had went to them and was like, hey, this is going on with me. And I think I need to go to therapy. And that person turned around and was like, what, is you crazy? You going crazy or something? You know, and they kind of shamed them to the point that they refrained from going, you know, and it probably was another, I don't know, a couple months before they had the conversation with me, you yeah. know. And so I'm like, okay. In that time period, you're already hurting before. Now you're hurting even more because that's added on to it. But then that's another couple months before you had the, they had the conversation with me, you know. But I think it's something that we definitely need to address. That therapy is for everybody, right? Because yes, I think we all have something that we need to talk about. We all have something that we need to process, even in our day to day lives, right? Even if 
maybe I haven't been through something, uh, you know, drastic or traumatic personally or lived it out. But again, coming out of the pandemic uh, with social media now, with everything that is, you know, shown, everything that we see, sometimes just turning on your phone, you know what I mean, is a, is a traumatic experience. You know, Absolutely. I might not live it, but now, but I'm I'm bombarded with the visuals of it. Yeah. You know, and so all of that needs to be processed by all of us. And so, you know, and I'm not gonna say that therapy isn't for crazy people because I think all of us is a little crazy, <laughs> including myself. Yeah. I think we all got a little bit. You know? <laughs> because if when we think about it, we came out of just thinking about what we went through in the pandemic. And I talk about this so much and I'm, you know, maybe people are, are tired of hearing about it, but I'm not tired of talking about it because I feel like it's so serious. We stayed, we stayed locked in our houses. We watched the numbers rise. We said goodbye to our loved ones without having to have funeral services or taking them to the hospitals. And then after that, now we're in the, uh, the smoke and the that's coming from Canada. Mm -hmm. Like there's so many things that are happening in our world. And if you just pay, like just pay attention to what's going on, right? There, things are not what we are used to them being. Right. So even as we're coming out of the pandemic and we're trying to still process everything that went on while we were in the pandemic, there's other things that are happening. So I'm not sure what the crazy is because I know we living in crazy times. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I don't even know what to say when people say, are we crazy? Yeah, I think we all are because yeah. our world is just very different now. And we just, we need, we need coping skills. You know, yeah. um, we, we need strategies. We need a, a place that we can safely talk about that. And the pandemic has also brought up other traumas that we have experienced that we never even even discussed. Um, so, um, which is why we're in a mental health crisis now um, because of not only the pandemic, but the other things that happened prior to the pandemic that mm -hmm. we never talked about, right? Mm -hmm. We stay silent because we don't talk about those things. So um, all of that, all of those things is the reason why Therapy is necessary. And when you need to go, just go. Just go. Yeah. There's no shame in that, you know? So yeah. And so I wanna, I wanna, I wanna transition just a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, because we're we talking about therapy and a, there's definitely a healing uh process that we go through with with the therapy. Um yeah. one of the things that I'm uh, involved in, I'm involved with a organization called the Forgiveness Mission. And what we do, we have free virtual workshops uh, mm -hmm. every quarter of the year talking mm -hmm. about forgiveness. Yes. Um, and so having said that, when we're mm -hmm. looking at part of our healing, mm -hmm. um, I believe is a, um, a letting go or releasing mm -hmm. um, and even some forgiveness definitely mm -hmm. in the part of your healing, mm -hmm. you know, despite what happened. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if you can just speak on that a little bit, um, and you know, I don't know where your journey is as far as the forgiving part of it, but I know yeah. it's all it's all part of it. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> so I, I will definitely speak about that. And this is something that I spoke about before. I am not gonna tell anybody on their healing journey 
what they mm -hmm. have to do as far as forgiving their abuser. I'm going to tell you as a child of God, as a Christian, of what I had to do. Um, and also make a clarification. I feel like I have forgiven my abusers. I actually, my first abuser, actually, I had an opportunity to have a conversation with, and he shared with me the reason why I, I did that to you is because it was done to me. And we were able to have that conversation. I'm not making any excuses. I'm just saying mm -hmm. that's the conversation I was able to have with him. My second abuser, although I I have chosen to forgive with God's help because there's no way I can do it without him. I choose not to be around him. So mm -hmm. I think there's a difference between forgiving and, and letting that person in, in back into your life. Right. Because you forgive that person doesn't mean that that person um, needs to have access to you. Mm -hmm. Those are two different things. And that's something that I had to realize in my my healing journey and continue to remind myself. So like I said, m that was a cousin of mine. So there are going to be times that I have to engage with him, but I prepare myself. I remind myself of my skills. I tap into my network, my support network, and I limit the time, right, that I'm around. When I feel myself uh, starting to be bothered or being triggered, then I know, okay, that's it. And you need to remove yourself. So I have to be aware of what my triggers are, what I'm able to um, tolerate. And for a time, I had the impression that I'm not really healed unless I'm able to be around my abuser and be okay. And that's not true either. So like I said, I'm not going to tell anyone what they need to do. But for me and my healing, I chose to forgive my abusers. But it doesn't mean that my abusers have access. Right. And so I have to make that decision. That survivor right, has to make that decision for themselves as far as what works for them. Um, but I will say from that end, there is a weight that you carry when you don't forgive. And I cannot, I can't dispute that because there's a weight that you carry when you choose to hold, hold on and harbor these feelings. And to a certain degree, it does um, hinder the healing process. Um, so I just wanted to put that out there because a lot of times we are carrying stuff and the person who actually did did something to us, they have totally moved on with their life and forgotten about. Mm -hmm. So I just, you know, and I hope that that answers the question in regards to forgiveness. Uh, I hope that answers that question. Yes, it, it did. And you actually said exactly what I was going to say. Um, because part of when I do the, when, when we do the forgiveness workshop, um, mm -hmm. that's actually one of the things that I speak on um, is, releasing a um releasing a relationship i'll just say relationship because it can be friendship partnership whatever it is but releasing it um number one we have to realize that forgiveness is for us mm -hmm. not for the other person so yeah. we forgive so that we can release that weight that we are carrying because mm -hmm. oftentimes exactly like you said that person has moved on you know and Absolutely. forgot all about it or Unfortunately, maybe went on to, you know, do something to someone else. 
and they're not even thinking about it, but okay. it has impacted you, which I, I know that it has, mm-hmm. but yet still there has to be, in order for you to begin to heal, you know, you have to be able to, to forgive for yourself. And again, not rushing nobody's journey, you know what I mean? Not telling you, you know, trying to push you into doing something that you haven't processed enough to be at that point, but just realizing that that is a part of it. That is part of the healing to be able to to forgive. But also, like you said, forgive, but without access. You know, yeah. I have forgiven you, but I'm not going to allow you to, to be back in the same space with me in order to give you an opportunity to offend me again, you know, in whatever yeah. it is, whether it's verbally, physically, whatever. You know, I forgive you, but you stay over there. You know, yeah. what I mean? we ain't got to kick it and, and none of that. Exactly. Um, but that forgiveness opens that door again, for, for the freedoms for yourself. I just wanted to add to that because I did, like I said, I I had the this impression that I had to be around my abuses in order to totally forgive them. And I even attempted that. And when I attempted to be in the same space as, as he was, he said something that was totally inappropriate and it triggered me. And it took me right back to my, and I was, Mm. I had to like kind of remind myself and I, you know, it was, it was, it was a while before I was able to get myself back together. And I was like, why are you doing this to yourself? Why are you putting yourself in a situation? Mm -hmm. And I had to really think about that. Like, why am I forcing myself to do something? Because I felt like that was the only way that I was going to be quote unquote healed. And that's not true. So I would say to anybody who was on this journey, don't put yourself in a situation um, that is going to take you back or trigger you that you have to now do work all over again to, to get yeah. back to where you were. Yeah. And, and even with that, I, oftentimes when I'm having even just a conversation of, you know, cherishing your inner peace, Right. So I had, I had a friend of mine that talks about every time she gets with her family, mm-hmm. you know, her and her uh, siblings get into it. Right. Like every time, you know, the stars are everything's going good, whatever. And I said, well, I'm not going to tell you not to go around your family. Mm-hmm. But what I will tell you is take notice of the time. Yeah. Because if you know about 10 minutes in that every time you're around, t- about 10 minutes in, y'all find out then about six minutes, you should know, you know, you need to be moving around, right? Before I get there, I'm like, so you have to be able to look at what's going on with you and, and processing it and even paying attention so that, you know, not just in this situation, but just in your life, day-to-day life, like watching and maintaining your peace when you know you're in the vicinity of someone or something that may trigger you, take notice of that. And it's like, okay, I think that's going to be an issue. Let me go this way. You know, or let me limit the time that I'm in this space so that I can leave before I'm triggered. You know, Mm -hmm. and so I think that's big with us, you know, just in, like I say, in our day to day lives and maintaining our peace and keeping our peace. Definitely want to pay attention to our environment and the things that trigger us, you know, or the things that we're processing and healing through so that we don't have to start all back over again. You know, so we definitely want to keep keep sight on that. Um. First of all, let me say this. I, I want to thank you so much uh, for, for being on. Uh, I love this, not necessarily the subject of the conversation, but I definitely love having the conversation. And, and that's what this podcast is all about. You know, 
And I would say we, we, we discuss topic and ways to heal in yeah. every area of our lives. And this is an area, you know, and so wh whatever the area is that someone needs healing, I want to have the conversation to be able to bring them, you know, some kind of peace and closure or at least lead them in a direction where they can find the help uh, that they need. So that being said, uh, I want to thank you again for being on. Right, yes. for definitely for blessing us um, with your wisdom and your experience. I want you to have the last word, right? Okay. I want you to have the last word and uh, leave us with a word of advice, word of wisdom, have you see fit. Uh, and definitely let us know where we can get your book and definitely con connect with you to be able to see what you're doing and um, take take part of some of the things that you have. And I'll give you a couple of seconds to, to kind of think about that. Um, in the meantime, to my listeners, thank you guys for tuning in once again to the Deal to Heal with EJ's podcast. Make sure that you guys are uh, checking us out, definitely checking out our websites, um, the dealhealfulfield.org dealhealfulfilled.org. We want to make sure that we're going there and checking out everything that we have going on as, as a company because we have the two podcasts now. We have the ebooks. Um, also, for those that don't know, I am a um, professional speaker, so I will come to your school, to your organization, and speak on a variety of topics. Let me know, and then we can do that. But you can find, you can be able to book me there um, at the dealhealfulfilled.org. Also, find about the workshops that I have going on. Um, also, ebooksbyejames.com. Ebooksbyejames.com is where you can find my ebooks, uh, including one of the that, that we talked about today, which is the core four, which is the four core values that every father should be giving to his daughter. And I think that's very good. Um, and also there's other eBooks there that you also can take advantage of. Uh, also, like I mentioned early, earlier, I am part of a organization called the Forgiveness Mission and we do free virtual workshops every quarter of the year. So whenever you're listening to this, either one just passed or one is coming up, right? <laughs> so make sure you guys go to forgivenessmission.com to uh, register for the next free virtual workshop that we're doing on forgiveness, or you can go to Eventbrite and register. Uh, we Again, we talk about forgiveness, what it is, what it's not, forgiveness of self, forgiveness of others, forgiveness of the world, and even the impact on forgiveness on your health, right? So we talk about all those things and, and definitely still working and, and adding more content uh, to the workshop to make sure that you guys are going and checking us out at theforgivenessmission.com. Um, last but not least, I know this is the part that you guys wanted to know, <laughs> how you could win $100 from the podcast. You can win $100 from the podcast by entering our super subscriber contest. What does that mean? First, you must subscribe to our YouTube page, to our Facebook page, and to our podcast on Spotify. After you've done those three things, you will text the word WIN, W-I-N to the number 866-326-0730 to qualify to win $100. Uh, the contest is ongoing and is random, which means that anytime I can pull a name. And also, once you enter, you don't have to re-enter. Once you're in, you're always in, and you can always win. Again, you can win $100 from the podcast by entering our Super Subscriber Contest. First, you must subscribe to our YouTube channel to our Facebook page, and to our podcast on Spotify. Then text the word WIN, W-I-N, to the number 
326-0730 to qualify to win $100 from the podcast. So that being said, again, <laughs> let me say thank you once again for the work that you do. Uh, thank you for allowing yourself to be a vessel to take something that uh, the enemy meant for evil and God turned it into good. And now you're using your voice and your experience to bring healing to those who may have been having the same uh, experience. And I always say that, you know, we make a choice to go from vic uh, victim to victor. And then once we've made that choice to become a victor over our circumstance, it then becomes our opportunity to go back and help those that are yet victims, right? And so again, I want to thank you so very much for being on, for sharing your story, and for the work that you do. I'm going to shut up and let you have the last word. So the floor is yours. Thank you for having me. Um, so I'm going to leave with this statistic that I that I use now, now that I'm referring to the silent cries. One in nine girls will be sexually abused before the age of 18, but one in four girls, African-American girls, black girls will be sexually abused before the age of 18. Big difference. So if you wanna follow me, you can follow me at Saya B. Hagen on Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok. Um, and I do uh, have a website, sayabhagen.com. If you want to order a book, you can order it from there, my website directly, or you can order it from amazon.com and barnesandnobles.com. So thank you, um, Mr. James. Thank you for having me. Thank you for allowing me to share my story. Um, it was my pleasure. No problem. No problem. We can't end it no better than that to my listeners. Thank you guys so much for tuning in once again to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast, where our mission is to help people to deal, to heal, and to fulfill, to deal with your problems, to heal from the pain, and to fulfill your purpose. Until next time, you guys, be blessed. Hey, guys, I know you're enjoying the podcast. However, don't forget to join our text line at 866-326-0730. That's 866-326-0730. 326-0730 in order to receive text messages with new events and things that is going on and new episodes as they release. All right. See you in a minute. Thanks for listening to the Deal to Heal with E. James podcast. Remember to listen, like, subscribe, and share. This episode has been brought to you by Deal to Heal Teas. Put some inspiration in your situation. Wear an inspirational tea and be inspired all day. Let's go to dealstoheelteas.myshopify.com. Remember, our mission is to help you to deal, heal, and fulfill. Deal with your problem, heal from the pain, and fulfill your purpose. Thanks for listening.